You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me this episode is Will Miles from his site, readandreaction.com. And you can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. We will get to preview the defense in this episode of Gators Breakdown after previewing the offense for spring uh, football coming up. And for this defense, you know, it's a, uh, a side of the ball that loses playmakers, Polite, Gardner-Johnson, Joseph. But they do get another year to talk Grantham's defense. Yeah, so Grantham isn't the, isn't the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, so we get the continuity, and uh, and we'll see whether continuity matters more than some of the guys that they're losing because, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it. They, they are losing some significant contributors from the defense last year. We're going to have to have some guys step up. Yep, uh, and uh, I don't know if people missed it uh, over the weekend or not, but Will and I poking fun at each other for the uh, the warm weather that was here in Florida, and the uh, but but Will does get to have fun uh, of building snowmen. Will, I've never got to build a snowman, believe it or not. Well, you'll have to come up and visit sometime during the off season or something, so you can you can come up and build a snowman. We 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 got snow last week, and then it was so cold for an entire week that finally on Saturday I was able to go out and make a snowman with my son. It had been a week of having snow on the ground, hadn't had a chance to do it. So, uh, you know, we actually haven't had a whole lot of snow this year. It's just been cold. So, looking forward to the spring and it getting warm and and football and all that stuff that entails. Yeah, I had to work the river run over the weekend, and it was, uh, you know, 80 degrees with people running uh, there, and uh, that's kind of where you and I got to poke fun at each other there, but uh, uh, all, all good fun. Yeah, man, well, you know, in June, I'll, get, I'll give you some crap. <laughs> yeah. it, it will be 78 degrees and sunny here, just like it is right there for you right now, and, and you'll be molting, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, before we get into this defensive preview for spring football, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the news for jack sports team. Catch Gators Breakdown on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Spotify. I mean, using those services, please share, rate, and review the shows. Subscribe on those services and um, social media. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Will, we'll start up front and start with the most obvious you know, part of this defense, the, the biggest question, and then that's, you know, who's going to replace Jakai Polite? Uh, looks to be led by grad transfer Jonathan Grenard with Jeremiah Moon uh, out this spring. We kind of knew that was coming. I had been kind of going around the last couple weeks, uh, last month or so, that uh, he would be out for spring, but definitely confirmed uh, by 
Dan Mullen and you know, his uh, pre-spring press conference. So it also means a player like Andrew Chatfield would see more opportunity as he was redshirted last year as a freshman. So this is you know, also where we will get to see one of the highly ranked recruits from the 2019 class uh, make some noise with um, Mamou Diabate, uh, early enrollee. So, you know, even as a freshman, he may he may force to, to get some playing time. You know, I have no doubt on special teams, uh, but he's already primed to come in this spring, earn some playing time, and with a good showing this spring, uh, he'll see the fall. He'll, he'll see the field this fall. So, you know, going back, I'm excited of what I saw from Gennard and his highlights at Louisville. Uh, you know, while Jacob Light had monster numbers, there was still that stretch in the middle of the season where he was held in check. So, you know, we won't get the answer this spring, but this is the start of seeing how they replaced Jacob Light. Uh, maybe even improve that Russian spot. Maybe get a you know maybe not the eye popping numbers, but maybe some more consistency throughout the season. Yeah, you know, you look at Grenard at Louisville. I mean, his last full season there, he had 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Not quite the same numbers that uh, that Polite put up, but pretty close. And, you know, obviously familiarity with Grantham's defense. But he was injured all last year. And, and I think that's maybe where um, – where this defense is going to have to have a little bit of luck that they're a little bit thin, particularly defensive tackle. Um, you do wonder whether they maybe decide to take Jabari Zaniga and put him in that rush spot instead of having him over there on the strong side defensive end. And um, that's one of the reasons why they've got Malik Langham a couple years ago. It's, it's a place where, you know, Antonio's Clayton might be able to step up. So I'm interested to see, who they're going to have where, just kind of like we talked about last week with the offensive line, that it's inter- that it'll be interesting to see who they have where and sort of who the starters are coming out into that spring game. It's going to be interesting to see the same thing on the defensive line as well. Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, I think Polite probably got that strong side defensive end locked up with his hand in the dirt. I'm not sure how well he, he would be uh, standing up, but we've also seen Todd Grantham, and like, as you said, you at, at times, you never know what he's going to throw at you. You don't know who's going to stand up. You don't know where they're going to be lined up. So I think that was one thing I liked about his defense was the, um, you know, you, you couldn't really predict where guys were going to be. I remember C.C. Jefferson. I was I, I went back and looked at uh, – I was just, just for fun going back and, you know, because there's a lot of talk and we'll get into it about where Amari um, Bernie is going to line up. But there was, a, there was one play where – he is standing up as outside linebacker, and C.C. Jefferson is actually standing up as the middle linebacker. And I'm just like, you know, there was just those little things where at times you don't know where Todd Grantham is going to put certain personnel. So, yeah, there's going to be parts where Zuniga is going to be standing in so, sometimes, uh, much like, you know, Bernie getting met, um matched up at, at linebacker. CC Jefferson was lined up at linebacker in the Peach Bowl as well. There are those little nuances that I like about Todd Grantham's defense and, and you know talking with about Grenard and Zuniga and, and other players, Chatfield, Diabate. This spring is where you can really tinker with with personnel like that. Yeah, well, you know, Mullen's been talking about versatility in recruiting ever since he came to Florida. And, uh, you know, we saw that a little bit last year. I remember in the Tennessee game, Voshan Joseph, you know, he was he was tracking the Tennessee tight end all over the field, even if he was outside, even if he was out wide. They didn't leave that to a cornerback. They had Voshan Joseph out there in coverage. And, and a lot of the time he was able to excel out there, though certainly he had some limitations. I think when you look at somebody like Chatfield, he was recruited sort of as a hybrid linebacker defensive end. You look at Diabate, again, sort of, a hybrid 
defensive end linebacker. So, you know, again, the versatility, I think, and then obviously Amari Bernie sort of on the other side where he was recruited as a safety, but, but is sort of coming down to the box, at least against Michigan as a linebacker. So that versatility or things are going to be on display, but, you know, I, I think, I think if anything, last year sort of showed us they're not going to show us a whole lot about what they're doing, what they're going to do during the regular season once it, uh, you know, in the spring game. So really, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking more for who's starting where and and who do they think they can trust up front? Because by the end of the year last year, you know, Adam Schuler and, and and Campbell were the starters. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, you had Slayton and Conliffe were sort of the guys that we thought might be up front. And it turned out that that wasn't the case by the end of the year. So we'll see where those guys start and how they progress through, through spring camp. Right. I mean, th- this is the first chance for players that have been here to prove that they can be key contributors to this team. Clayton, Slayton, Conliffe, you know, we know Zuniga's going to be the unquestioned starter uh, at defensive end, but, you know, th- this is time for Antonius Clayton to show that he can put it together. Uh, if he can't, then I think you can easily see somebody like redshirt freshman Malik Langham, like you mentioned, uh, battle Zachary Carter for some playing time. Uh, I think this is one of the key battles this spring because we know what, you know, we have pretty much in Jabari Zuniga, but he's going to get spelled at times and there's not going to, there's not much more he can prove in the spring for him. So you know, I, I use this spring in a way I look at it to find out which of Clayton Langham Carter can step up and be counted on to earn some playing time in relief of Zuniga or because they earn playing time because they have taken the necessary steps and you have multiple players that you can count on in the starting role. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to have to step up because if you look at the four guys, really sort of the four top tier guys that this defense is losing in Voshan Joseph, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Ja'Kai Polite, and CeCe Jefferson, that's 24% of the total tackles. It's 48% of the tackles for loss, 51% of the sacks, and 55% of the forced fumbles. So, you know, that's that's an awful lot of productivity to replace. And that doesn't mean that these guys behind them aren't talented, but it does mean that they're relatively unproven. And so the spring is the first opportunity for them to prove that they're going to be able to step up into those roles. And, you know, during the regular season, I know, I, you know, I, I know we're talking about the spring, but during the regular season, you know, Zuniga going to get double teamed. And so these guys are going to have to win one-on-one battles. So that's maybe the other thing to look for is when, um, when these guys are put in one-on-one battles, are they able to win at the point of attack? And same thing, vice versa for the offensive line. <laughs> when they're put in one-on-one battles, are they able to win at the point of attack? And, you know, it's one of those things where because both units are so green, I'm not sure that we'll really have an answer until until the game against Miami. But, um, but at least we can get a feel for who's going to be in those spots and who can win the one-on-one battles on a consistent basis. Well, uh, you know, going back to like a player like Mamoudi Abate, an early enrollee, if he's going to be slid into this Jacopoli rush in, I mean, don't you kind of think, you know, as an early enrollee, as a true freshman, when you know your job is to go get the quarterback, you know, th- there is that saying, you know, especially on offense, if you, the earlier, um, the earlier playing time, it's, it's easier to go in and play the further you're, the further you are away from the ball because your, your role is kind of, you know, simplified. You know, your wide receivers can come in and play. Our running backs can come in and play uh, there, you know, there. But you, if you're quarterback or your offensive lineman, the closer you are to the ball, the harder it is to come in and play. But I also think this rush in position and, and, and the way it's designed to go get the quarterback, you know, there's not a lot to uh, – yes, I mean, he'll have to learn a defense. Yes, he'll have to learn some technique. But there are times when your job is to simply go get the quarterback. And from everything that – we followed for Diabate getting recruited. You know, he's that versatile type of guy who may can come in right away and, and earn some playing time this spring. And this is when we'll get to see it. Yeah, as an early enrollee with Jeremiah Moon being out, he's going to have an opportunity, more of an opportunity to, to come in and get some playing time. 
Yeah, I always think it's dangerous if you're relying on true freshmen to be like a starter or be a yeah. component in your defense. I think if you bring him in as a situational pass runner, pass rusher in, in third down situations, then okay, yeah, you just say, hey, pin your ears back and get the quarterback. But, you know, last year against Kentucky, gap contained became a big deal with, with Terry Wilson out there. And so um, those are the types of things you have to be careful of. And those are the things that Voshan Joseph um, has Im- had improved on over the last three years. But certainly that was sort of a weakness of his from time to time. And I think that's the same type of thing you can you'll see with the youth with Diabate. I think I think when you really look at where the um, where the freshmen are going to play a role. I mean, you saw Trey Dean come in last year as a corner. I know Janoris Jenkins when he came in, he played very early on. Joe Hayden he came in and played early on. Those guys get beat from time to time when they come in, but it's a whole lot easier when they just say, "Hey, we're playing man to man. Go 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 take the wide receiver." Or same thing you were mentioning the running back. It's it's really easy or easier for a true freshman to come in 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 those cases, especially as an early enrollee, learn the offense, learn the defense, and be able to play at those positions. I think somebody who's going to have to do some of the complex things that grant the masks from those guys who are sort of hybrids. I mean, you know, if, if you're playing that rush defensive end, there are going to be times you're going to have to drop into coverage. And so, you know, do you understand your zone responsibilities? Do you understand that's different types of blitzes he's trying to bring all those sorts of things? I, I think, especially in the spring, you'll see some raw athletic ability, but you'll also probably see some of those younger guys out of position and that's okay. I mean, that's what the spring is for. But I, again, I, I think if we're going to rely on on true freshmen to be starters, you probably look on the back end of the defense, not necessarily up front. Well, it, it is time for, for you know, the two players I really want to look at uh, up front is Conliff and Slayton, because I, I think I expected a whole lot out of those guys last year. And by the time the season rolled around and the season went on, uh, it's, they were not what I thought they were going to be last season. As good as the defensive front ended up being, you know, they, they, those were the disappointments there. You know, they were pegged as starters last season, started the season in those roles, but they were just eventually overtaken as they were unable to produce. And Adam Schuler and Kyrie Campbell uh, then come in and were very solid. So you know, I guess the question is here, you know, as Schuler gets more experience in this defense, you have to remember that he came in as a transfer from West Virginia. You know, I think you know, he could he has the potential to, to become a force. But if you compare, you know, the, the starters, Schuler and Campbell, with Conliff and Slayton tapping into their potential this spring, this defensive line can become a strength. Uh, you know, we've seen time and time again. If you want to consistently win in the SEC, it starts up front. So, you know, with the secondary Florida has, if these guys come around, then this defense can be even better in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we do need to remember with Slayton is he was brought in sort of as an offensive lineman, and then, but he wanted to play defensive line, um, which is why he came to Florida. And then they all of a sudden switched from a 4-3 scheme to a 3-4 scheme, and he's being asked to do something very different. So, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily fair to – have expected him to pick up the defense as quickly as maybe he needed to last year. And maybe that's why he got beat out by, by Schuler and Campbell as the, as the season went along is just, you know, the, the need to react within your defense rather than be thinking all the time slows you down a little bit. And, and maybe that's what happened. So, you know, another year in the system, I don't think there's any doubt that, that Slayton in particular has the strength and the ability to be a very, very good defensive tackle. I think the question is, is, is he going to be able to put it all together? And maybe he will this year. You know, Conliff was in sort of that, I think, like 280 to 310 range as a recruit. So, you know, he's, he's one of those guys where sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. And, you know, he's not – I mean, he's shown flashes, but it hasn't been anything consistent. And I think, you know, again, I think that's sort of where – 
Like there's a reason why those guys were playing last year who were, who all went to the NFL. It's that they were more consistent than the guys behind them. So, you know, Mullen talked last year, he talked in his press conference today about Felipe Franks, just sort of making the, making the simple play managing the offense. I think it's sort of the same thing with some of these guys in the defensive line. Like you have to stay in your gap. You have to do what you're supposed to do rather than trying to necessarily beat your guy off the ball every time to make a fantastic play. Cause if it gets you out of position, all of a sudden the offense gets gashed in the running game and uh, you know, you're off the field. So I think, I think consistency is probably the thing that we should be looking for. Are the guys holding their gaps? Are they, um, are they doing what they're supposed to do within the scheme? And uh, as they show that, I think these guys have the natural ability to, to be pretty good. Well, man, that kind of leads me where I, uh, my next point in the question sent in by Scott Sweat and uh, kind of going to answer it the same way you just did. So that's kind of funny there. Uh, Scott Sweat on, on Twitter, Will, he asked, do we think the defensive line will be better next season? Uh, he says, quote, I know we lost CC and Polite, but I'm thinking the combo of Schuler and Grenard could be even better. I'll throw in Zuniga into that mix. Uh, and uh, I'll agree. I think this group will be better, but in a different way. And I think it's because of consistency. I think we'll see more consistency. Now, I'm not sure Grenard replicates Polite's, you know, 45 tackles of the season and then 17 and a half tackles for loss with 11 sacks, six forced fumbles. You know, those are, those are eye popping stats, but as a group, I think this group can be better because I do expect Slayton and Conlon to improve to go along with Schuler inside. And I predict Zuniga improves a little bit too. So while I think they may not produce the eye popping plays, the eye popping stats that we saw, I do think they will be a little more consistent, which I think in turn makes them better. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that we can say, or I can't say with any definitive uh, clarity that I think these guys are going to be fantastic for, for any, I, I think it would be difficult for them to be better than they were last year. I mean, 11 forced fumbles throughout the course of a year, you're getting a fumble a game. I mean, the game against LSU polite coming around the edge and taking down burrow um, and, and causing the fumble when Florida was already down seven, nothing and LSU was driving. It looked like they were going to put another touchdown on the board. If that game's 14, nothing, it's a completely different complexion. Same thing as Florida state. He rips around the end when I think they were up uh, 20 to 20 to seven gets the strip and all of a sudden it's 27 to seven. So you know, there were a lot of those games last year, the, the Tennessee game, again, Voshan Joseph and, and Zaniga getting back in the backfield, causing havoc on the, it was 14, nothing. And I think Florida gave like 25 yards total offense. And that was all because of the defense. So, you know, there were situations last year where the defense was wreaking havoc, even though the offense wasn't doing very much. But even when you look at the Florida state game and the Michigan game, I mean, those games were, were, um, were not out of hand at halftime, even though they turned into blowouts. And the reason they weren't out of hand is because the defense was playing so well. The game against Florida State, you know, it, it, became, it was clear one drive in. Florida State couldn't block Florida's defensive line. Right. Now, you know, Florida State's offensive line wasn't very good, didn't really block anybody last year. But, again, I think part of that is just Florida's defensive line was very, very good. And so um, are they going to be able to replicate that? I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, there's going to need to be, you know, Antonius Clayton, we've been talking about for three years now. I mean, the, the guy was ranked in the 20s when he came in. He's got to play like that kind of player. Malik Langham came in, didn't really contribute a whole lot last year. He's going to have to contribute. Zach Carter, he's going to have to contribute. You got to have Greenard, you got to have Grenard stay healthy. Got to have Moon stay healthy. Chatfield's got to contribute. So, I mean, we've get, there's an awful lot of talent and potential. 
but we haven't seen those guys necessarily um, be difference makers. And, and even some of the guys who have been on the field haven't necessarily been difference makers. They've just sort of been placeholders while, while Polite or Zaniga get a blow and then come back on. But we would have said the same thing about Zaniga and Polite last year. I mean, they were relatively inconsistent, though they did put up larger numbers two years ago than they did last year. So, um, yeah, I, I suspect the defensive line is going to be slightly worse this year, uh, maybe even considerably worse. They may be better against the run, though, because those defensive tackles have had more of an opportunity to, to acclimate to, to Grantham's offense and if or to Grantham's defense. And if they're better against the run, I think the defensive backs are going to be much better than last year. And so, um, you know, the defense may be better overall. Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah in, in a way, I get what you're saying, too, because that's uh... – like I said, I, I don't, you know, you mentioned a lot of those big time momentum changing plays, and that's where I think they, they probably will be a little worse. I don't think they'll get that, but hopefully, as you say, in the run game, that's kind of maybe what I'm speaking to about the consistency of the, of the defensive line and, and there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Scott posed a question, lost CC and polite. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Zuniga was starting over CC for whatever reason. You know, CC didn't never really, was it, was it ever really that, player i guess we thought polite would be last year you know going into last year we thought it was gonna be cc jefferson being, being what jacob polite did and you know he actually cc did, actually didn't start the season wasn't even playing the beginning of the season and uh at times weren't wasn't even starting games uh at times last year as well as aniga was kind of that that edge setter uh and, and defensive end so yeah uh, it does stand a lot on what those defensive tackles do and of course uh, as we move back with the help they can get back uh, with this linebacker group Will and uh, we know David Reese is going to anchor down one of the linebacker spots, but uh, more people are starting to come around to the idea that it'll be Amari Burning uh, that fills the void left by Fashawn Joseph leaving early. Uh, I made sure to point out from the stands uh, that he was in linebacker in the Peach Bowl, played really, really well uh, in, in that spot in the limited time he was there. If Bernie is a player that can line up linebacker, nickel, safety, so a lot of it depends on down distance situations as well as uh, in combination with other personnel, but. Uh, I think we see him in that spot opposite David Reese for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, they brought him in. He was not in the first series against Michigan, and Michigan was getting the edge pretty much the entire time. And then once they brought him in, that stopped. So, I mean, clearly when you need somebody to run sideline to sideline, he's going to be able to do that sort of thing and has certainly showed an instinct to be able to get get to the ball and, and has the coverage skills to be able to take somebody, take, take a tight end out of the game um, or, you know, at least – cover a zone and make that zone close much quicker than you would expect normally with a linebacker. But, um, you know, David Reese, I think is the key as he always is. I mean, last year, um, obviously he was hampered in the first couple of games. I'm sure that played a role, um, in, in the loss against Kentucky, not having, not having him out there and then, um, having him out there at less than hundred percent for those next couple of games. Once he did come back and obviously they were missing CC Jefferson for that game too. But, um, you know, he, he's the captain out there. He's the one who's getting everybody in the in the right place. He's the emotional leader of that defense. And we saw that two years ago, um, sort of his comments about things being unacceptable, even though he was a, even though he was a sophomore um, after the losses to Georgia and Missouri. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think it's coincidence that, that once he came back, the defense improved considerably. So um, I know people want to look at Bernie and they want to look at some of the new guys who are coming in and we won't see him see him this uh this spring but hopper and black coming in everybody's very excited and i think they should be for those guys but i i really think that david reese is the guy we need to be looking at you know he's he's the leader he's sort of the heart and soul of the defense he's gonna make sure everybody's lined up right and uh you know really just want to make sure we get through the spring with him healthy well well that goes to what i want to say about that part is i think it's imperative this spring to find a backup 
for him. You know, he, he was he was really missed in that Kentucky game last season when he returned. We definitely saw improvement in the run defense. But if he wants to go down again, or you just want to get more speed on the field in that spot, you know, there there are plenty of options uh, there. Rashad Jackson, Ventura Miller are two there that could shine this spring. Uh, Jackson had 36 tackles last season. Uh, Miller added 15 more tackles. And so they got some playing time, and a lot of it was earlier in the season, of course, when David Reese went down. And they, they filled in at times during the season as well. So you know, David Reese, for, as you said, for all the leadership that he can bring and, and the steadiness that he brings at times, you probably want a little more speed on the field. So I think you know, this spring, I think you can use it to, to, to find guys to spell him or, you know, Hopefully not. You know, he goes down again with injury. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be imperative you find a backup for him. But also, uh, guys next to him, you know, besides Amari Bernie, if, it, if it's not Amari Bernie, if, if he needs to go play nickel or if he needs to play safety, other players that you can mix in there, James Houston, who played well when he was in last season. And one player I know many people are, are ready to see is redshirt freshman David Reese, <laughs> the younger David Reese. So if the Gators have some options at this weak side linebacker position, you know, if they want to move Bernie around, there are other players they'll be tinkering around with this spring. And you know, watching how they come up with who they want to come up with at linebacker is going to be, I think, one of the keys this spring. Yeah, I think the second linebacker is really the guy that we need to be looking for. Because if you think about it, Diabate or whoever's in that sort of role or, or Chatfield or even Moon in some capacity at that rush defensive end will drop back and have some linebacker responsibilities. Same thing with Bernie. I mean, he's kind of a safety who can come up and have linebacker responsibilities. So you got a lot of versatility at those two spots, but then who fills in the other two linebacker roles? So you've got Reese, obviously, he's going to play an awful lot. And then, you know, the other David Reese <laughs> has been. God, come on, how, how many times are they going to be on the field at the same time? I, I just, you know, I, it's too bad we won't have Vern Lundquist out there because that would be awesome. You'd have to make like one twenty-two and one or one twenty-four and one forty-two just to really confuse him. But David Reese, David Reese, ha 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 ha. <laughs> but it's a really good point that that Jackson or Miller or or, or Reese or even LeCedric Brunson might need to step up and and you know really fill that other role at linebacker because um, you know they don't have anybody right now. I mean that was Voshan Joseph was doing that last year and somebody's gonna have to step in. And if you think about Joseph and what he did last year, it was pretty significant. I mean, again, there were times where he was out of position and there were times where the gap wasn't filled. But nine tackles for loss, four sacks, and ninety three total tackles is an awful lot to replace and somebody's going to have to step into that role. Yeah, so I, you know, linebacker, I think, that, that's going to be one of the fun ones to watch, I, I really think. Uh, one, you know, with open practices and the scrimmage uh, that media gets to go to. But when the spring game rolls around, I'll, I'll be looking at those linebackers uh, a whole lot. And more, probably more on the fun factor, I think, the cornerback position, Will. I think this might be the funnest group to watch spring, as we pretty much know – what the Gators have, but they, there is some intrigue there as well. You know, we know the starters this fall, uh, but with Marco Wilson still recovering from injury, uh, we know we get to see more of freshman and early enrollee Chris Steele. Now, I don't think it takes long for him to get acquainted. So, how fast does that happen? Uh, can he end the spring as a key reserve by basically being a starter in the spring? Uh, will will, will um, you know CJ McWilliams, Brian Edwards? Uh, to be key reserves there and maybe become uh, the fourth cornerback on the field. Can 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 uh, still come in and pass those guys by the time spring ends, you know, and and and, and see the field. Uh, you know, as the fourth cornerback on the field at, at times behind Wilson, Henderson, and Dean. 
Uh, Will, maybe I'm a little too excited here about Steele, but this is one I feel great about getting some playing time as a freshman. He's known to be physical, known to be aggressive, and I really think that that style of play plays well into getting some early playing time and something that shows up right away in spring. Yeah, I don't think he came from California to sit on the bench. So, <laughs> so and, and the coaches have talked like that, right? I mean, the coaches have indicated that he's out there and he's playing, and and that and that they expect him to be out there. Um, you know, the the guy I'm really interested in seeing play is McWilliams. I mean, he 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 took an awful lot of flack last year, and and in some capacity, rightly so, because he got targeted a lot, particularly in the uh, in the LSU and Georgia games when he was out there on the field when there were when there were various injuries. But um, there were also some plays he made. I, I highlighted one in an article I wrote this week against Vanderbilt that really sort of saved that game. From the standpoint of film study, it looks like he's pretty solid. It's just that in man-to-man coverage skills, he struggled last year. So if he improves in his man-to-man coverage skills, he can be a really effective contributor. And again, you mentioned Bernie moving to, or Bernie at least playing more of a, uh, a hybrid role. And then you figure Dean's already sort of put his hat in the ring to be the replacement for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out there, which means you're going to have to have multiple good corners out there because there are going to be times where you're going to be in nickel and dime and you're going to need somebody like McWilliams out there, especially if you have an injury or if Marco Wilson isn't quite ready to go at the beginning of the year. So um, I'm really interested to see what happens with C.J. McWilliams, see if he uh, – see if his man-to-man skills are getting any better. And against the wide receivers he's going to be going against every day in practice, we ought to be able to tell. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a battle for that you know, third true cornerback. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking nickelback here. Uh, as, I, as you said, you know, trading is going to have that locked up. But you know, third, fourth cornerback spot with McWilliams, Brian Edwards, and, and still coming in early. Heck, by the time fall rolls around, Kyrie Evans going to be, be there as well. So you know, did, did Florida's going to have their options, and I'm sure they – uh, they'll have something figured out by spring and then and, and try and work in Kyrie Elam on wh- where he'll come in. But, Will, you know, during bowl practice and not long after, there was talk of trading, playing inside nickel uh, in place of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson leaving. Didn't have the best game versus Michigan, but, you know, for the most part as a true freshman, looking at the whole the season as a whole, he he, he did pretty well. He, he did well as a true freshman coming in because, look, he – you don't plan on one of your starters as you know Marco Wilson going down the second game of the season and you having to be the number two cornerback. Yes, Florida, you mentioned a couple earlier, but Florida's had you know, Vernon Hargraves come in and, and excel as a true freshman and and other guys as, as well and Henderson and Wilson most recently uh, doing the same thing. But Dean had to be inserted kind of more than earlier than. I'm sure even he thought, but got plenty of experience with nine starts, played well for the most part. It really, it, it does seem Florida has a nice mix of experience, incoming youth, and overall talent at cornerback, more so than a year ago. Yeah, and I also think when you look at when you look at uh, size and, and speed, I mean, geez, C.J. Henderson's really, really fast, really, really was able to shut things down last year on his side of the field, and so you figure people are going to go to that other side of the field. And last year when they went that direction, they they got Trey Dean, and sometimes they got him, sometimes they didn't. By the end of the year, I think he was more consistent. And then when you had Henderson go down in that game against Georgia, well, now you've got McWilliams in there getting picked on. I think that experience is going to help those guys. I mean, I, I don't think any of them are lost causes. I think that they're going to get better, and they're going to learn from getting picked on last year, and that they're going to be better players, which is the same 
same thing we saw in 2007, right? I mean, 2007, those cornerbacks for right after, you know, Tebow wins the Heisman Trophy, but the team still goes, I think, nine and four because, you know, they couldn't stop anybody on the defensive side of the ball. The next year, the defense was lights out, not only because the defensive line was great, but because those corners and the, and the safeties were locked down. And, and so, you know, I, I expect to see improvement in Dean. I expect to see improvement in, in McWilliams. I expect to see improvement in Edwards and Bernie. And, you know, I mean, Steele's going to have to earn the job. I think, I think the expectation is he's going to come in and he's going to lock down another cornerback spot. But, you know, Mullins made it very, very clear that nothing is given to anybody um, and, and that you always have to earn the spot and that no one's already been penciled in. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen there because I do think that from a talent perspective, I mean, we talked a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago about them having nine guys who were blue chips at either corner or safety. And those guys are all still in the program except for Gardner Johnson and they're all fighting for spots and there's not going to be eight spots available. And there's also some guys who are pretty high level three stars as well who are in there. So, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of competition. It's only going to make everybody better. I'm do. I am glad you bring up C.J. Williams. Uh, yes, I mean he deserves some of the criticism for what happened, but I I, I do agree. He's it, it's not a lost cause whatsoever with him. I, I think there was enough good plays as well. Yes, we we're going to remember the bad ones. I mean, it's just you know in, in the nature of uh, of the business, the nature of playing college football, big time college football. But yeah, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to walk on walk away from him either. Uh, getting into this and Brian Edwards uh, as well. Uh, so I, I really do think they do. It is a full competition this spring for Chris Dill. Uh, he, he's not going to come in and, and be that that number two corner of the spring right away while Wilson is, is recovering. I think he will have to earn his spot over McWilliams and, and, and Edwards there. So um, going and looking at Will uh, kind of leads into our next question. Um, uh, Sean, Sean Steed, a good friend of ours, uh, also sent a question our way in which of the – True freshman DBs and linebackers get redshirted. And uh, it says, uh, I think Steele may be the only one that doesn't. So I, I think there are two for sure scenarios here. Uh, Steele doesn't get redshirted, and linebacker Josiah Pereira does. So I think I, can, I think I'll start there. I mentioned Diabate earlier. I think he earns playing time, and, and I'm throwing him into that outside linebacker role just in case Sean was throwing him in there. Uh, but I think he can either be that outside linebacker rushing role. And, and as high as I am on guys like the one black, Tyron Hopper, can, can, you know, can they really come in and, and jump James Houston, David Reese, and Mari Burney, Rayshad Jackson? I'm not sure they can as freshmen. And I think Florida is okay not to force those guys in. I think they'll get their time in four games, but you know that's that's it. I, I'm not sure how much valuable playing time Hopper and Black end up getting just because of the numbers they have at, at linebacker. Can they can they come in right away as and be as athletic and and really jump those guys? I'm not sure. Uh, the, they I think the red shirt is valuable for those guys to come in and look, they got great size. They got great speed already. I don't think you have to force them in. So, and, and then moving on to, to cornerback, and I can see a scenario where Jadon Hill doesn't need to rush back coming back from a knee injury. Uh, he ends up playing in just four games. Also Chester Kimbrough, red shirt says, I think uh, it'll be tough to jump steal Elam Dean Bernie. Uh, if he's, if he needs, if he's needed in nickel situations, uh, can Christopher McWilliams improve enough to hold off a player like Kimbrough? Yeah. I think if he'll, is healthy enough. He avoids a red shirt, but Kimbrough, uh, I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I think based on everything we've heard, Diabate is probably going to play and then Steele's going to play. I think maybe the place in the spring game you can look at to see what they think about what they've got at defensive back 
is the punt returners and the kick returners. And obviously they don't have those guys actually return it during the spring game. But, you know, if Freddie Swain's back there returning punts again, then it's an indication maybe that there are more guys at the defensive back who are going to be redshirted or that they're not sure what they have um, in terms of some of the guys who are coming in. Um, I think Lloyd Summerall has a chance to contribute next year. I, I think he's not going to be in the spring game, but I think he has an opportunity. Um, same thing with with Jalen Humphreys on, on the defensive line. I, I suspect that, you know, last year the offensive line was healthy all year long. The defensive line was healthy most of the year as well. That doesn't typically happen two years in a row. It doesn't mean that you go the other direction and everybody gets injured, but it does mean that in some capacity you're going to have a couple of injuries. And I think that's really going to determine who ends up being redshirted next year is, mm-hmm. you know, if, if three linebackers go down, you're going to need Hopper and Black to step in. If you got two defensive tackles go down, Humphreys is going to have to play, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and so I think – you know, one of the reasons Trey Dean played as much as he did last year is because Marco Wilson got injured. If Marco Wilson hadn't gotten injured, you know, maybe you see Dean play four games and then they just redshirt him. So, um, you know, I, you can't really predict what's going to happen. Right. I think the team is obviously stronger under the strength and conditioning of Nick Savage than they were with the peanut butter and jelly regime. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is going to be determined by, uh, you know, just by injuries. And it's not something you're going to be able to predict right now. Yeah, of course. I should have prefaced it that way. I'm assuming everyone stays injured. Yeah, that's my 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 scenario is the perfect scenario. It's uh the the way it probably should play out, but yeah, it probably doesn't play out that way, as you said there. Um, we can't forget about the safeties. Will uh, four guys? I'm really looking at fighting for the spots here. Of course, Brad Stewart, Sean Davis, Jawan Taylor, John Higgins. You know, if Brad Stewart can move past last season's off-field troubles, uh, then he's getting the free safety spot. Uh, but Huggins was getting some time in uh, for Donovan Steiner last season, so Donovan Steiner returns as well with a lot of experience uh, as well. But uh, I think Brad Stewart more than likely, uh, like I said, if he can stay on the field get spot there. So, you know, this spring is very important in determining and figuring out that spot, but not sure it's any easier at strong safety. Another spot you can see Mari Bernie, uh, but I, you know, I think the staff may opt to see what they can get out of Sean Davis and Jawan Taylor. I think Davis has uh, the, the higher ceiling, doesn't mind getting physical, but the staff seems to like Taylor uh, a lot as well. And uh, I'm not really sure how this shakes out. Uh, and also not sure if this gets figured out in the next month and, and this battle goes into fall camp. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one of the things they liked about Steiner last year is he's always in the right place. And so there were some times, especially against Georgia, that I can recall where there were some limitations in his ability and coverage. But he was always in the right spot, even if he wasn't necessarily able to able to pull off the play. And that counts for a lot, right? I mean, make the simple play. Make sure you're in the right spot. Make sure you don't give up a huge play and you live to – you live to play another day and in Grantham's defense where, you know, you got to hold up with blitzes coming from all over the place, having a guy in the right spot really, really makes a difference. And, and so I think Steiner did that a lot last year. And I think what's going to end up having to happen is those guys who are maybe more physically gifted are going to have to show that they can be consistent in order to win the job. So, you know, you mentioned Stewart with, with some of the off field stuff. Well, you know, I mean, that, is he in the right place at the right time when he's on the field? And if he's not, then Steiner's going to be the guy who plays. So again, I think that's something you can look for in the spring game in terms of where those guys are and where they are on the depth chart and and that sort of stuff. But I mean, I was pretty impressed by the way Steiner played last year. I thought he was a really good player and I thought he was really solid back there. And, and you know, was he, was anybody saying, oh, that guy's going to be a first round draft pick? No, 
But I mean, you know, he's, he was at a point where in a brand new defense in a position where you're going to be isolated quite a bit based on what Grantham wants to do, he held up quite nicely. And, and I think, um, I think we need to put some, put some stock in that, that he was able to do that quickly. He was able to learn the defense. He was able to sort of do the right thing that he needed to do in a position that's not that easy. And so I, I actually expect him to get quite a bit of playing time next year. Um, you know, I don't know that some of these guys are going to be able to overtake him. I think he won the job last year because of some of those things that these other guys maybe have some shortcomings on. And, and, you know, in a second year, I think that'll still be an advantage for him. Yeah. There were times that, um, going back and looking at his game where coming back, um, running back, taking on running back angles, you would take on the wrong angle a, a good bit. Yeah, you're right. If, if there's, but we go back in the Mississippi state game, he makes the game winning sack week later, LSU makes the game sending interception. So you, you see the potential there. As you said, he's in the right spot in, in a lot of the, the, the you know, when, when, pass plays are happening. And then I think the next step in his game is learning the defense even more, taking the right angles to, to some of those running backs. If he can do those, he's going to stay on the field. He is going to be on the field from what we saw last year uh, there. So yeah, the, the safety position is one, uh, you know, besides Steiner in the experience that he got last year, I'm not so sure the other guys and how much it's going to get figured out. Um, so that's, uh, going back to Amari Bernie, I think he still plays a part there as well. I think his main role is going to be linebacker, but I do think they are going to move him around a lot. <laughs> so it's just the we talk about three positions here, and Amari Bernie's name is uh, you know, it, linebacker, nickel, safety, and uh, well, I don't think it can be stressed enough that uh, he's going to be on the field uh, a whole lot. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why I like the 3-4 defense or really what usually ends up being a 3-3-5, right? So you got three defensive linemen, you got three linebackers. Sometimes it's really four linemen and two linebackers, but you got enough high, you know, you've got enough um, versatility that, that the guy can play either one of those. And then you got five defensive backs, but one of those defensive backs can also step up into the linebacker role um, from time to time as well. And with that sort of versatility, it doesn't matter what offensive package the other team, you know, if they go four wide, four wide if they go two tight ends it doesn't matter that same base personnel can handle it and whereas if you're in a four three it becomes very very difficult to do that if a team plays spread and and throws four or five wide receivers out there so um yeah i mean i think that versatility is important i think one of the reasons why mullen likes the three four that grantham brings is because he understands that that's that that would be harder that's a harder defense for his offense to handle and so uh you know Again, the versatility there from Bernie, the versatility from any of these guys really mm-hmm. is, is the key, especially when you're a little bit thin. And there are some places where they're thin just in terms of experience thus far. Um, you know, and, and so an injury here, an injury there, um, all of a sudden you need that guy with the versatility to be able to step in. And I think they're starting to build that. Um, there's still a ways to go. I mean, this this is not going to be an Alabama defense, but uh, but they can be as good as they were last year, maybe even slightly better with all the talent they have on the back end. All right, so there's for our defensive preview there. And, you know, kicker, punter, hey, same as last year. Florida's in good hands there, so we'll not much to, to preview there. As you also mentioned, kick returner, punt returner, not much to, to really break down in spring uh, as well. You may see who they want to put back there, but you're not going to see much action uh, from those positions there. You can go back and check out our offense preview. That was recorded and released last week, and Will, you alluded to it, and it, alluded to it, and it was brought up again at Mullen's spring press conference where he says no position is set when asked about the quarterback position and then goes on to say, quote, 
I would hope a guy like Franks expects to be the starter, uh, but he better know he's got to compete to make sure he keeps that job because there's other guys that want to compete to go take that job from him. Uh, so, well, I'm not really sure we can add much more to the discussion that we did last week, but it was another chance for Mullen to make it known that these guys are going to compete. Yeah, well, people can stop blaming you for starting a quarterback controversy, I suppose. But <laughs> that was a guest. That was a guest. That was a guest. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we like you said, we talked about this a little bit last week. You play the best guy, and I mean, if Emory Jones comes out on the field and just starts launching all over the place, and you know, has improved by leaps and bounds when he comes in, it's clear he's the best guy. He's going to win. Now, I mean, if you're sitting there and you're saying, "Eh, six to one, half a dozen the other, they're basically equivalent," then Frank's wins the job. And if Frank's is better than everybody, then Frank's is going to win the job anyway so um i think this is the way it, and let, let's be honest is he really going to say yeah this guy's my starter he doesn't right. have to work that hard in the spring he's not going to say that anyway so um you know and, and i think that's the way it should be i mean you know franks was slightly above average last year by most metrics other than touchdowns right touchdowns to interceptions he was really really good especially when you factored in the rushing touchdowns but god if you go back and watch the missouri tape um if he throws up two of those next year, Florida's losing at least two games. So, you know, again, the consistency becomes important on that on that side of the ball as well. Like he's going to have to be consistent and and you just can't have those peaks and valleys. You yeah. got to have you know, those valleys have to be not so deep because <laughs> that Missouri game was just awful. And the Georgia game, the second half really wasn't very good either. So, um, you know, there's work to be done. He's he's not. He's not Baker Mayfield coming back for his senior year. He's, you know, a, a above average SEC quarterback who needs to improve considerably in order to take Florida where they want to go. And if Emory Jones has the ability to take him there, then, hey, he needs to play. And and I suspect that what we'll probably see is something similar to Tebow's freshman year where there's a role for each of them. Yep. Um and, you know, we sort of saw that towards the end of the year. There was a package against Georgia. There was a package in, in the Michigan game for Emory Jones. And, and you know, there are going to be packages for him this year because there's no redshirt to worry about. Yeah, I really do think we'll see that. I do think if Franks wins the job, um, as I predict he will, I do still think we see uh, much more of Emory Jones. And, Will, you're right. It, it is – can – you know, talking about spring, you know, is there enough that you can gleam in spring where it helps Felipe Franks become a more consistent quarterback? It's not necessarily consistently great. It's consistent. Can he be consistently what we saw in the FSU game? Can he be consistently what we saw second half out of South Carolina game? Consistently be what we saw in the Michigan game. If he's consistently that quarterback, then Florida is going to be a very tough team to beat next year. And it, and it that's part of. Going back from a, a year ago to now, Will, it feels good that, you know, going into this spring with a team that has you know, big expectations from fans uh, in the college football world, and, and the expectations a lot are, are dealing with the, the improvement of Felipe Franks and the, 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 the team in general and what Dan Mullen was able to come in here and do, what Todd Grantham was able to come in here and do, and this whole staff. It happened fast, Will, and going from a year ago to now, spring practice is about to kick off, and the expectations are much different in Gator Nation. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I, we, I, I think that's absolutely true. I think everybody expects 10 wins is sort of the minimum this year. Um, I, I think that that's – it's going to be interesting to see whether they can accomplish that because it's a more difficult schedule. And it's also, you know, they've lost an awful lot when it comes to guys who are going to the NFL and going to the NFL pretty high in the draft. Um, you know, there may be three first-round draft picks coming out, of the, coming out of the program from last year. That's a lot to replace. And then, you know, you factor in – 
Um, you'd mentioned it last week on the podcast. I went back and looked at a bunch of sort of key plays You know, that South Carolina team didn't have any defensive backs healthy. I mean, they were, they were playing guys who had no business being defensive backs and Florida was able to storm back, but it's not as if Florida won that game by 50. I mean, it was, it was, it was a three or four point win. And then you play against Idaho, Florida state's depleted. And then Michigan, you know, a bunch of their defensive guys weren't playing. And, and that's not to downplay what happened for Florida, but it is to indicate that, you know, there's still more to prove for everybody on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And uh, they're going to have to be hungry. And I think that's kind of what Mullen's doing when he says, Hey, these guys need to be, you know, they compete. That's the way it is. We don't, we don't pencil anybody in in spring camp. You got to compete. Um, you know, they didn't win the national championship last year. They won the peach bowl. And the goal this year is to win the peach bowl again. Cause that'll be, that'll be a playoff. <laughs> and to do that, they're going to have to be better. I mean, you can't lay an egg at home against Kentucky. You can't lay a, lay an egg at home against Missouri and play for a national title or an SEC title. And so they're going to have to improve. And I think that's kind of where Mullen is at is, Hey, last year was great. You went 10 and three. It was a great start. But ten and three doesn't get you where the Florida fans want to go. So um, that's great in year one, but everybody expects better than that this year. And and those expectations got ramped up from the first year, and and everybody's got to deal with that. Yep, man. Yeah, starts uh, on Tuesday when spring practice twenty nineteen season is underway. Uh, Will, that was a good episode previewing. Uh, you know, last week with the offense, this week with the defense. Uh, you did, you mentioned it a couple of times. You released, uh, your latest article on read and reaction, looking at some, some important plays, some key plays that uh, Gator fans uh, may have forgotten about in, in the 2018 season. Yeah. I mean, I'd forgotten about some of them. You just sort of go back and look at, at places where games turned or, or where it wasn't, um, you know, things that maybe were hidden behind some of the big plays. So there was a, the Kentucky game was one that really jumped to my mind. There was a play where um, Franks hit Tony right in the hands down by the four yard line and, and the ball was dropped and there was a holding on the play as well. And then, and then uh, McPherson missed, well, missed the field goal. <laughs> and uh, you know, all of a sudden, instead of it being Florida within two or three points, it was Florida still down by, I think 11. So, you know, the whole complexion of the game changed. And and so there were plays like that in every one of the games this year. And so I just went back and took a look and said, Hey, if you're watching this game, which, which play was really critical. There were a couple of coaching plays that were critical. Um, obviously in the South Carolina game, there was sort of the goofy play where they snapped the ball over Frank's head and he completed a, you know, a, a tipped pass to, to, Van Jefferson and and you know the one I'd really forgotten was there was an onside kick when mm. um, when Florida was ahead fourteen to three against Tennessee and P Ryan snagged it out of the air with four vols right around him I mean they you know Pruitt got what he wanted and and P Ryan was able to snatch it out of the way and you know again that sort of goes back to the idea that Mullen's going to have starters on special teams that those guys are willing to play there that he's building depth so that they can have those guys on special teams and so um, it was kind of cool to take a look back and see. Uh, just sort of look at the season and say, all right, what were these key plays throughout? There will be many more in 2019 as well. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I went back and looked at it. Uh, it was funny because I just went back not too long ago and was looking at that Florida-Tennessee game. And uh, I'm glad you had that onside kick in, uh, in there because, yeah, that was that, – that play – I don't. Yeah, you're right. Florida, Florida was better in Tennessee last year, and it showed as the season went on. So Florida probably ends up going to win that game anyway. But then maybe it keeps that game a, a little, a little closer for a little while longer. 
Well, I mean, they hit that long play to the to the running back down the sideline, and, and Henderson tracked him down. He fumbled through the end zone. There were a lot of little fluke plays in there. You know, Florida ends up winning by 30 or something, and and, and it wasn't even close. And it was great because I was there, and all the Tennessee fans were <laughs> – they were giving us a bunch of crap for the first three minutes of the game, and then we didn't hear another – we didn't hear a peep from him the rest of the time. So, uh, you know, it was a great time to go see that game. But but I'd forgotten a lot of those things that happened early. You know, I mean, it was 14 nothing, and you're like, oh, the offense must be humming when you think back to it. And then you're like, oh, no, they had like 20 yards because there were a couple of turnovers. And, um, you know, it sort of set the tone for the game and and uh, and really the season. The defense played fantastic in that game and, and sort of set the tone for what was going to happen for at least the last four or five games of the year. All right, Will, anything else coming up on Read Reaction uh, what, next week? Yeah, man, I'm going to be taking a look at some of the Florida State stuff that's going on. Some I've been I've been talking about writing about Kendall Bryles. I've got that almost finished up, and then uh, they got Hornybrook now coming in. So that's right, that's right. So, so it's, it's time to make fun of Taggart a little bit. Yeah, it has been a newsy week for our rivals. First of all, Florida and Miami officially August 24th will kick off. We talked about this last week as well. Officially going to kick off the 2019 season for the 150th year of college football. Uh, ESPN uh, pegging Florida, Miami uh, as the two teams to do that. The game in Orlando, I'm sure college game day will be there. And Florida, Miami will have the spotlight will uh, of kicking the 2019 season off. Yeah, man, that's gonna be fantastic. I mean, I know, I know there are people who had travel arrangements and hopefully those things all get rectified by the, uh, by by Florida and, and Miami and, and sort of the hotels around there and the airlines. I know they were sort of talking about working with those guys to make sure that everybody was made whole. I know there are some people who just won't, you know, they planned on being down there for a week or something <laughs> around this weekend, around Labor Day weekend. And, and this is going to make, make it a problem, but obviously ESPN's paying them to do it. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to make a pretty penny off of it. And then uh, also just the, the ability to be the sole game on for the week that everybody sees them in prime time. It kicks off the season when everybody's really champing at the bit to, uh, you know, to, for college football to start, you're sitting there watching those preseason NFL games where like, you know, quarterback <laughs> comes out and plays one series and then you turn it off. And then all of a sudden this is there and it's, and it's a big time game. So, and obviously a big time rivalry too. There's been an awful lot of, uh, a lot, awful lot of smack talk going between Miami and Florida fans on Twitter recently, at least. And uh, nah. we, we've only got o- only only five more months left, man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, uh, that's fun. And yeah, as you mentioned, Hornybrook uh, at FSU, uh, going to grad transfer from Wisconsin there. And also we had FSU starting spring practice uh, last week as well. Well, I mean, they, they had like a welcome coach Taggart sign up that I saw on Twitter. I, that that. I wasn't entirely sure. I, I guess I guess they're uh, they're still recovering from the Martin Luther King uh, meme that they made, so they've just gone back to last year's for the stuff they're using. But uh, you know, hey, it's it's uh, for all the problems, and, and there aren't a ton of problems, but for all the things that we look at with the Florida program and say, hey, this could be better. Man, at least it's not Tallahassee. So. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll keep taking some shots in that direction because it's at least kind of entertaining. It is very entertaining. <laughs> Just brought a quarterback in that owned Miami from at, at Wisconsin the last couple of years too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll we'll see. I'm actually kind of interested to take a look and see because I, you know, Blackman wasn't terrible a couple of years ago, but he couldn't yeah. beat out Francois, and now they brought in a guy who's basically a statue for an offense that has typically been predicated on having a running quarterback and 
Then they brought in Bryles, who typically throws deep, and Hornybrook doesn't have the doesn't have the arm to do that. At least not from what I've seen. It's just a weird amalgam of yeah, this staff that, they brought yeah. in for the staff that they've got. Yeah, this that staff is it's like a mash unit mismatch. I don't know. It's just not a lot of experience with each other. All that. It's just I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, not well, to really poke fun. I just I I don't see the. The, the the strategy side of it there's just not a lot of experience with, with each other there well i mean I, I don't know that it can be worse than last year yeah but, uh you know I, I and and in some respects i i don't think it just on his track record even before last year um i'd written that i thought mullen was a better hire than taggart i still think that to be true um and, and so in some capacity i want taggart to do well enough that he gets four or five years <laughs> at florida state because i mean we saw the same thing with mcelwain right if mcelwain yeah. did another year or two um you know what kind of damage would have been done to the depth chart and and it, you know there, there was some talk about him having high level recruiting classes but that was a little bit of a mirage because the the offense wasn't turning around and so you know where would Florida be if they had let him stay for a fourth year? So, you know, the shark stuff and the death threats and all that sort of stuff had an upside because now, because now we got a guy who's who in year one was able to turn the offense around. And, you know, I mean, up, up at Florida state, at least they took an offense that was mediocre and turned it into a dumpster fire. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really see the logic in some of the moves that they've made, but um, at least they're not my program. That's right. That's right. And uh, our program starts spring practice on Tuesday this week. We'll uh, finally get to talk some football. So next week uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely be talking about uh, open practices and uh, what we've seen uh, from the skaters team in the first week of spring practice. So will anything else, man? Nah, man, just looking forward to it and looking forward to talking about football again and, and uh, you know, everything kicking into gear. So August is going to be here before we know it. Absolutely. That's Will Miles. You can find him at readandreaction.com and his site. Uh, that's his site there. And on Twitter at Will Miles SCC. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.